Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. Fans don't just turn up. Don't fall mm. into the trap of thinking, hey, we're good, we've signed a good player, we've got a good brand, we've got a good home court. The fans will just turn up. They won't. You have to go out and work for it and communicate and connect and love them and show them and give them and include them and then maybe they'll come in through that door. And when they do come in through that door, Put on the best bloody show that you can. Let them enjoy every second of it because the game is only one part. It's a part, but it's one part. It's a car park to car park, driveway to driveway. Everything about them coming in, everything about them while they're there, everything about the journey home. Welcome back to Shooting the Breeze. After a short break over Christmas and New Year, Series 4 returns with our biggest and maybe our most important pod to date. Taped in early January, this one is so big it's in two parts and we're excited to share it. Joining us over the next two episodes is a panel of loyal and committed followers of some of the Southeastern teams to get a real look into the hearts and minds of the fans. We're grateful to them for sharing an important perspective and openly discussing their views and opinions, giving a voice to the most important members of any WNBL team, the fans. Enjoy part one. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me and my co-host Jacinta Govind, we have a very special episode. We've got... uh, our fan podcast. So we've invited a, a few fans to join us so we can talk about their view of the WNBL and also to discuss issues around the WNBL. Now, before we get into it, Jacinta, this is one that we've been working on for a while and we've kind of been really looking forward to this because I think there's a lot of um, opinion that we hear about the WNBL, but Quite often, we don't get the fan input into into what's happening. So it's it's kind of something that we've really – I know you and I have talked about this one for a while, about trying to get this one happening. Yeah, I agree. We've definitely been spitballing this one for a while. And I think, as you said, Paul, and we've said in other episodes too, we are also fans first. And we're very aware that it is the fans' loyalty and um, commitment to the WNBL that is ultimately keeping it alive. So we thought that this would be a good opportunity to give the fans a direct voice to share some of their opinions because we've all spoken to our three guests individually, but it's going to be really interesting now to have three fans that we know as individuals in the same space to perhaps 
uh, share similar experiences or maybe even differing experiences too, good or bad. Yeah. So let's introduce our fans to our audience. And first of all, we've got joining us Claire Nimmo from Melbourne, Lily Pedvin from Canberra and Nick Walker from Sydney. Obviously, they are fans of their own individual teams. For Claire, it's the Melbourne Boomers. That's right. Uh, for Lily, it's the Canberra Capitals. Go Caps. Go Caps. <laughs> and for Nick, Nick's got a, a got a foot in both camps of the, the OG Freeway Series, the Caps and the Flames. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, guys, so look, first of all, let me just throw it across to you guys and sort of ask, how long have you been following and supporting the WNBL? Claire, maybe we'll start with you. So I think this might be our sixth season as members of the Boomers. Um, and my daughter plays for Bulleen, so we have that connection uh, club-wise with um, the Melbourne Boomers. So uh, we started off by doing a couple of clinics with them and then just watched her grow alongside these these players and they just take them under their wing and they're so inspirational that you can't help but follow them. And so as she started her basketball journey, we crossed paths with uh, Cheryl Chambers. So we have a soft spot for the Flyers, but Melbourne through and through. <laughs> okay. And uh, Lily, how about you? How long have you been following the WNBL? Um, I'm actually old enough to have a signed poster that Squin signed for me when she was <laughs> I never knew that until Mary put it in an email, so I'm glad you brought it up because, I, yeah, that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think going on like 18 years or so we figured out the other day. Now everyone can kind of figure out how long ago it was that I played now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and Nick, you, how long have you been following the WNBL? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm pretty new to the WNBL, so I only really started following it after the Olympics a couple of years ago. So I watched the Olympics, didn't go the way we hoped, but I really enjoyed watching them play. Went from there to the WNBA and then jumped on the WNBL train when that started up in, I think it was December that year, so about two years now. Okay, cool. So it's great we've got kind of like a broad range of of time engaged with the WNBL, which is really fantastic. So I want to ask, and I'm going to open it up to anybody who wants to sort of start giving out some of your own personal opinions and experience. What do you guys think about the game day itself? I love game day. Mm -hmm. I think we, you know, for us, we count down to game day because we don't get one every week. And so, you know, I think the boomers do a great job on sort of the social media, keep you really engaged in it. So, you know, we're counting down to tomorrow's game. So, you know, got my mum all geared up and got the kids ready to go. And it's like it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a big thing in the week of the on the calendar. So it um you get excited for it. You wait to see who your starting five are. Is Tess gonna suit up? Is she not? So and I think they do a really good job. And so when you get there, that atmosphere is already there. You know, you're just ready to go with it even before the game starts. Definitely. I was going to say like one of my points that I wrote down when Mary sent through the prompts was 
how good the Melbourne Boomers social media has been and offering like exclusive t-shirts at games only drives me insane because I love every team even though I am a Caps fan but it's just seeing that you guys are doing like exclusive t-shirts as a merch option um, sold at one game only is a really cool and unique way of encouraging people to come and obviously yeah. like showing support. I always wonder though is it is it wrong to wear you know another club's t-shirt like the goat for instance you know like who doesn't want a lauren jackson shirt but it's not like you can wear that teal color to a purple game and it's sort of like you know how bad are you that you're not supporting your own club but then i think well i'm actually supporting everybody so you know i think that's the way i feel it's like i wish you could just proudly wear it all and and not feel so bad about not you know always cheering on your own club yeah, I can see the point on that one. And what about you, Nick? What, what's your, particularly because you've been engaged with the WNBL for just a couple of years, what's your feedback on game day? Yeah, I, game day has been a bit weird in Sydney because it's not always the same experience because sometimes you have those double headers and sometimes you have the standalone games. So you can get a bit of a different crowd in at both games. So I really look forward to it and seeing, you know, which crowd we've got at which game. But it's always a good time. Um, I think this year, because we had that long stretch on the road at the start of the season, there was a lot of excitement about that first game. And with it being the second game of a doubleheader, there was a really good crowd still in the stadium for the game. So that was that was a really good experience, that one. Um, but it's been a bit up and down with the different stadiums. Okay. I'm just... And this is more a broad one to whoever wants to jump in on this. What do you think could be done to improve game days? Don't all go at once. We're <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of how to phrase things politely. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So, look, let me just throw this out here. If there's something you think that's that's not done well, let's call it out. But, you know, we want to... We want to try and do it in a, in a manner where we can sort of, you know, bounce around what we think could be a, a better way of doing things. So obviously you've got something that you want to say, so let's go with it. <laughs> I guess just having been around the league from 18 years and I'm now 27, I just look back at those early Caps game at, games at the AAS where they were sponsored by like bottles of Australia and I still have my pink Carly Wilson one Graham Backer the Caps physio that I still see he was like the Opals physio as well he has his like Backo one still so I just I look at all those experiences and I look upon them so fondly and they were throwing out shirts and jerseys and membership packs came with a jersey in them and I just look at all these things and how much things have changed none of the memberships offer a free jersey within the membership pack or anything like that I just I kind of think what are you giving fans at a game or in the membership pack that is special or different to what any other fan can purchase and what are you doing to engage fans so when they go home or go to school they have that drink bottle that they can take and they can show their friends and say oh this is my favorite player yeah Yeah, I agree yeah, sorry, just representing like uh, your club uh, by turning up and then, you know, from a player's perspective, everyone's decked out in the same stuff. It's almost like the fans have their own uniform as well. Yeah. Definitely, and I've seen that when I've like even just changes from I remember like Zala Bishop and Bo Beattie as young toddlers and they had jerseys in toddler size that fit them. 
um, little Opal May now runs around in like, I think it's one of Zala's old jerseys that um, Veely and Goz found in the back of one of the cupboards at UC Caps gym. And like, I don't know, it's just so disheartening. I last season saw Cam, Carly Wilson's husband, chasing around Lola and Opal May, Carly Wilson's kid and Alex Bunton's kid. And they both had hair ties holding up the back of their jerseys so they could run around the stadium. So I went to Kmart and I just said, you know what, I'm going to buy a cheap tie-dye shirt and dye it in caps colours and make an iron-on vinyl patch. And I gave it to Bunce and then I made a matching one for her mum the week later so Opal and Ginny now match. But it's just there's this whole, it's not easy to be a fan and I just want that hurdle gone. Okay. I want to throw out there that I think, in my opinion, from what I've seen, the quality, not the quality, but the quality of what is offered to the members in comparison to just somebody who walks in off the street to to buy a ticket to watch a game has dropped over the last few years. Uh, Not so much for Melbourne, because I know Melbourne's been making a lot of effort in this space. What do you guys, I mean, first of all, do you agree with that? And if so, what do you think should be happening? And I think it's interesting, Claire, that because you've got you've got an eye on what the Flyers are doing and what the Boomers are doing, you're probably able to see the differences between the two, you know, the crosstown rivals. Yeah. Well, they definitely got T-shirts and, um, you know, definitely something that said season holder or and when LJ's um, T-shirt came out, everybody had them. And whereas I looked at our membership pack this year, the same nylon scarf that is horrendous and this, this sort of calico bag that came from another sponsor which had, you know, paper face masks, um, like sort of mineral face masks, Uh, There was no sticker pack. There was no, there was other things that were listed that should have been in this massive bag. There was nothing in it. It was like you were literally looking at the bottom and just going, where is everything? So, um, you know, before there's been an Adairs voucher or, you know, things like that, but you got a photocopied sheet that gave you $20 off at the uniform place. Um, But you go there and it's just a mess. So they're on a platform at the top of the Parkfield Centre and it's, just piles and piles of stuff. There's no order to it. And it's like, I just feel as though we should be, like Lily was saying, you should be treated just a little bit better than someone that buys a $10 general admission ticket. They can walk in and get a T-shirt. They can walk in and get a scarf. So I just, and, and I sort of feel they hand them out. So what am I actually getting for my gold membership that I've paid and through covid kept with them got nothing for it and and yet we come out of this you've still got to go and buy the merchandise you've still got to support them all that way which I am hands down doing but somewhere along the line you just like to feel as though you're a little bit special instead of giving a whatsapp phone number here give this a call and nobody answers so it's like you know I want to support you 100% but you're sort of not giving me enough either so just building off what Claire's saying, Caps also do the scarf. Why is a scarf being associated with a summer sport? And it's the same scarf from seasons ago and they're this nylon. They're not even long enough that you can wrap it around. It's, 
it's just really poor. I would prefer a scarf like they do in the football that says, you know, member and the year that you're there. And you can collect them. Or give me a badge that actually says member 2022 and I can collect them. I'm a, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman, but I want that badge. I want my girl, you know, my girls would wear it on their blazer. They'd be proud to wear it. So these are tiny, tiny little things, but they make us feel as though actually someone recognises me as a member of this club and, you know, we see you and we thank you. And on another really basic level, I looked up last season what the difference between a season membership was for a concession being a student last year and versus buying a ticket to each home game. There was a $12 difference. I emailed and asked if I thought they'd stuffed up the maths and they said, oh, no, that's correct. I just feel like there needs to be something more in it because if I miss one game, especially when COVID still being a thing, it's not worth it. It's not. It's, yeah, it's money in their pocket and not a lot either. So it's, yeah. Okay, so Nick, I wanted to ask you, because you're you're really well placed to talk about Sydney. The first year, did, did you buy a membership? I did buy a membership. I bought the Brighton's membership for the three games there and then a three-game doubleheader membership as well. Right. Did you get any merchandise with that? I got absolutely nothing. I got a digital card that was basically a ticket into both stadiums and that was all we got. And does a doubleheader, sorry, Nick, is doubleheader the men's, the Sydney Kings afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Well, depending on, on the game, it could be either Kings first, Flames after or the other way around. Um, okay, because my experience, because we bought the full full year membership for the Flames, was last season there was a T-shirt thrown in that said Flames member for each, each one. This season it wasn't. I'm going to say that I can pretty comfortably say here that the experience of a member is probably a bit disappointing because, you know, you're paying your money up front, Yes, you are getting the same seats game in, game out, but would it be fair to say that you don't feel like you get that little bit of extra recognition that you would like to because you have committed to support the team for a full season? Well, I'm not a member anymore just because of all the factors that we've spoken about. But I would like wow. to say, building off what Nick was saying, the Caps didn't offer like um, three-game memberships or anything like that up until last season. And I just think that's such a great and a possibly affordable thing for fans that are trying it out, seeing if they do or don't like it. Can I just add, just going to put this gripe in there, um, I contacted the club because we're going to go to Bendigo on the weekend and watch, you know, position one and two playoff. So I just contacted them and said, is there somewhere that all the boomers away families are going to sit? Or, And it just comes back, it's not a ticketed game for us. Um, there's plenty, you know, general admission would be your best bet. But there was nothing. There was no, like, let's all try and sit in Bay 22 behind the bench. You know, you're going to make an effort to travel a couple of hours up the road. I was really, really surprised. And I just sort of went, okay, that's great, thanks. You know, nothing. That is pretty disappointing. Um, yeah. One of the Flyers girls gave me their tickets to the Canberra game the other day. And so I know for a fact that at Canberra home games, the GM puts aside a bunch of tickets for certain people. And so Bendigo or Boomers would should or 
could know where that would be. And I asking to have like a sea of purple is to the club's benefit as far as I'm yeah, concerned. That's, that's exactly what I, I, I don't mind buying a general admission and I don't mind buying a seat. But all I had to say was we're in this bay right behind the bench, come along, wear your purple. Okay, but instead we'll go along and we'll probably sit away from everybody else because, you know, until you can actually work out where you're supposed to be sitting and what seats aren't taken. Um, yeah, I was just, I was a bit, as a member, again, um, that was through the member's, you know, private page. Yeah, just a little bit disappointed that there was no, you know, you'd think top of the table, you'd want as many people to head on up the highway. So, yeah, disappointing yeah. again. Yeah. Because I, I remember when the second grand final game in Dandenong for the Flames the 16-17 season um, and even I think the a couple of years before that even for for a semi that was being played at, at Dandenong any Flames fans who traveled down to the game were seated in a particular block of seats behind the Flames bench so that you know you could see all the fans were sitting in in one location and to me that seems like you know Sorry to put it quite this this way, but it seems to me like it's a real slam dunk for the club <laughs> to kind of go out there and do that one. Yeah. And look, I understand. I, you know, I worked out going through this membership period before this season started that they're only part-time workers at the Boomers and they're under the pump to try and get these tickets out and it was a schmozzle. But you'd reckon that they'd be able to get their hands on, say, 100 tickets in the bay behind and you just buy through the club. You say, yeah, I want four tickets. Doesn't sound like rocket science to me, but maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. Now, before we go into some other stuff about game day, Jacinta, you've been awfully quiet, but I've been <laughs> noticing your I've been noticing your responses and like your reaction to some of what you've been hearing. So I'd love to hear what you've got to say on this. No, I honestly am just enjoying listening. That's why I haven't really chimed in, because I don't want to take away any uh, opportunity for the fans to speak. Yes. You know, there's a good chance for me not to speak and to sit out and listen. <laughs> I, was, I was happy just listening. It's, it's, I really, really enjoy these kinds of discussions. But uh, I think the other things that kind of came to mind when you uh, all three of you were speaking about game day experience, and especially for if you're a member and you want to attend an away game, I know this may have perhaps been during finals time, so maybe an exception, but when the Tassie Jack Jumpers played the Kings in the last NBL final, I'm pretty sure that there was like blocks of seats for Tassie fans who made the trip. And that's in Kudos, which is massive compared to the venues that the WNBL teams play in. So I'm not too sure why if, you know, the size and manpower that that are responsible for putting on the Kings games can organise that, why it can't be transferred into, you know, where they play at Bendigo. I've been to that venue at Bendigo and it's lovely. <laughs> There's no Kudos in terms of size. And... How far do you need to travel to Bendigo, Claire, for that game? Oh, it's two hours up the up the highway. So that's yeah. like, I mean, uh, I guess in a league sense that is an away game because you're going regional. But two hours, that's what I travel to go watch the Flames and the Kings on a weekend. Like that's regular <laughs> for me. So two hours isn't really much of a journey for Boomers fans to travel to watch an away game and have some representation. Um but and I and Nick earlier you mentioned your game day experience with the Flames, how it does change in the venue. I agree, it can sometimes be a little bit um, like not unstable, but definitely shapes 
the experience from it's not a consistent experience and the one thing I've noticed is when they play at kudos for the double headers even though the most recent game had a really good attendance a lot of it was still sitting in their ticketed seats so it looks like we didn't have a big attendance because everyone was scattered and I feel like yeah. if everyone was encouraged to sit closer it would have a much better atmosphere yeah um, I noticed particularly with the most recent game where the Kings were on the second game all the Kudos Bank Arena staff were going around making sure everyone was actually sitting in their right seats and kicking people out if they weren't sitting in the right section, which, you know, when you're in the first half of the Flames game and there's only a thousand people there, Max, it's it's a bit harsh to go and move people around when there's no one there sitting in the seats that they're in. But so, I guess that's the problem of the double headers. Yeah, that's an interesting point you raised there, Nick, because we were there and... They were quoting numbers of 3,600 and something attending the Flames game. I'd love to know how that was calculated. Very optimistic counting that one, I think. I mean, I, I was speaking to a friend who said that they'd been at the bar across the road and they realised that the Flames game had started and they were trying to convince people to come across and watch it with them and they were just going to stay at the bar and keep drinking until they wanted to come across. So I don't know how they got that higher number, but I'd love to see the counting. Speaking of numbers, how impressive was Townsville's 2,789 or whatever it was? I'm absolutely stoked for them. How good. Yeah, that's, I got to say, that was a pretty impressive number. And I think also it's one of those stadiums I would actually like to go and see a game at because they just, Townsville seems to get right behind the club and they're, they're right into it. So, yeah, I, I think that was, a, that was a great number. But to me, I think that number for the last Sydney game, I'd love to know how it was calculated because, yeah, it looked a bit optimistic and there must be a rationale for it. All right, let, let me ask you something about the entertainment at some games. And, Nick, I'm going to go to you first of all. How did you? How do you find the entertainment at the Key Centre? They actually asked me to come down onto the court at Key Centre the last both the games I've been to, they've got me to come onto the court for some sort of in-game entertainment. The first one I was shooting for a free membership and the second one I was doing a, um, a pre-game interview. And that was interesting. But I don't know how many other people in the stadium are actually paying attention to that sort of thing. Like, I know, I know there were some people cheering me on when I was shooting, but I don't know how many people were listening to the pre-game interview. And... Some of the other stuff they do pre-game, like they have a DJ that they cut to that plays music, which, you know, it's it's fine, but it's just kind of there. Like a lot of the entertainment stuff, I feel like we just do it because we're at a sporting game and we have to have entertainment and we don't really put much thought into what we're actually doing. And it's just kind of like, well, you're here, you might as well watch it. Okay. Now, the last one at the Kudos Bank game. How did you find the entertainment there? It's, it's definitely different being at Kudos. You know, you're in a bigger stadium. You've got more capabilities. Like they do a lot of that sort of the crowd camera stuff. I know they had a music performance at one point with the DJs on the table, but it's definitely bigger. But I don't necessarily know that it's any more engaging than what you get at Key Center. There's more of it and you have more capabilities with it, but it's still more or less the same sort of thing. Okay, so now that we've kind of set a bit of a framework here, let's find out about Melbourne and Canberra. What's the entertainment like there? I could pass on it. 
really. <laughs> I was about to say no comment. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know if I was allowed to do that or not. Um, and look, it's great for the kids. Okay, at the moment, you know, Signet is the big is the um, the big sponsor. So one of their main games is to be able to spell the name out, and then they, I think, they win a power back. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, there's it used to be a dares, and it was like, what kid wants to win in a dares voucher? So I always used to laugh at that. These kids running around, and what are they going to do with a fifty dollar voucher? Mum's going to love it, but not so much the kids. Um, yeah, look, for the kids, I think it's great. And, you know, everyone loves to have a laugh at Dexter, you know, when he comes out at the three-quarter time. Like my kids used to run the conga line with Dexter and now they just sit back and laugh at all the kids that are down there. So, it's look, it's very, very child sort of orientated, um, which is fine. You know what I mean? You've only got to sit through it for, what is it, 15 minutes or something. To me, it's neither here nor there. I think it's blank space and people feel like they've got to fill it. But I'd prefer them to shoot T-shirts out of cannons or, I don't know, do something a bit more. Get the Mexican wave going. I don't know, do something. <laughs> Lily, what about what about Canberra? And, and actually, Nick, it'd be good to hear your opinion of the differences between Canberra and Sydney too. So, but Lily, what, what's your? Pretty much what Claire <laughs> said, but honestly, like, as a woman in her mid-20s, I understand that kid engagement is so, so, so important. And having the kids come out and play at halftime occasionally is always great. And when someone finally gets a bucket, the crowd goes wild. But there just has to be something that engages everyone out there somewhere in the world of basketball. Okay. Now, I know you've been to a couple of Canberra games. Do you see a difference between Canberra and Sydney in terms of their entertainment? I don't think Canberra has as much multimedia sort of stuff, like the... They don't have those cameras where you're in the crowd pretending to play the bongos or pretending to ride a horse or something like that. It's more like someone's on the court, there's an MC, you know, calling out to the crowd. So it's not necessarily the same multimedia stuff, but I feel like being in Canberra, the crowd was buying into it a bit more than they are in Sydney. I think the experience in the Canberra Stadium when I was there was just a little bit more engaged than some of what I've seen at our games. And I just wanted to bring up, like, the difference in venues. The Canberra Caps play at the National Convention Centre in Canberra, so it's actually not a sports stadium at all anymore, which is great in terms of air conditioning and seating comfort and good view of the court. But I just, exactly what Nick was saying, there's none of that, like, multimedia aspect with screens or anything for us to engage with. You know, to be fair, though, the, the screens and the multimedia stuff is really only at Kudos. It's not at the Key Centre. Yeah, I'm just interested to hear, like, Claire, what do they have at the boombox? Nothing like that, yeah. I'd love to go to a stadium with that, you know, massive thing in the middle and I just think, yeah, you get a bit of the sort of WNBA feel to it with the big things up the top and, yeah, for us we'd have to go to, I think, the um, United and Phoenix play at John Kane Arena and they have that type of stuff there. But, um, yeah, one day maybe there'll be a doubleheader. You never know. So never know. There you go. Claire, you've got now you've got a reason to, to come up to Sydney whenever the boomers are playing to get a Kudos well, Bank Arena. Was Kudos where the World Cup was? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was that was magnificent. Yeah. 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 And all the content they had for that too. Obviously we don't have the budget of FIBA, but just mm. like everyone dancing on the screen, having like different interactives and getting people up and moving was really great. Yeah. Okay. So because we're kind of dealing with you know, Melbourne, Bendigo, Sydney, Canberra. Is anyone other than me 
stunned that no club actually turns around and figures out there'd be good sense to organise from early on in the season or even before the season starts a bus and scheduling to get fans engaged to go to those games which are within two to three hours' drive. I'll, I'll open it up to all of you to give me your, your feedback on that as an idea. I'm just going to say that that comes down to there not being enough staff to be able to logistically organise something like that. You know, memberships for the boomers, and I don't know about everybody else, but they come out so close to the very first game that it's nerve-wracking that you're actually going to get to a game and you don't have a membership ticket in your hand or any proof that you've spent money buying these memberships. So let alone trying to organise something that's in, say, you know, round seven or eight, not a chance, not a chance. And that would just purely be because there's no office staff to do that. Why isn't there somebody, why isn't there a company that oversees the whole of the, you know, travel arrangements for the WNBL? Why doesn't someone get on board and organise party buses from, you know, one place to the next? That's a great idea. And also, isn't there like a new league sponsor for travel or something that we see at halftime as well? Like, imagine if they did something amazing for the fans, like organise a bus to Sydney. I'd absolutely love that. I'd be Mm. first person on that bus. (laughs) It would be fantastic. I I think it's strange that the Kings and the Hawks make such a thing about the freeway series with Illawarra and they don't do anything at all for the Flames and the Cats. I mean, it's not that much further to Canberra from Illawarra. It's the closest team to us. Why not, you know, why not have something about it? Okay, I'm going to go out and say this. I'm pretty sure that Jacinta will agree with me on this one. The Kings and, and Illawarra have been making a bit of a, a thing about this over the last couple of years. But the original freeway series has always been, you know, Sydney Flames, Canberra Caps. Not only that, but even at the, you know, because for many years the Flames were owned by Sydney Uni, it was also the Battle of the Unis. And that was one that I know that the Melbourne Boomers tried to get into because it's like, oh, yeah, but we're sponsored by Deakin. And they were like, yeah, no, 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 but you're not owned by uni. You're sponsored by uni. So no, 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 you don't qualify. It's just really interesting because thinking like Canberra have GWS and we pay like I think it's $2 million or $3 million a season to have them associated with, to have Canberra associated with Greater Western Sydney, the AFL team. And there is a bus that my mum gets on every time and goes to Sydney and it drops her right outside the Sydney cricket ground ready for a game of AFL. So someone out there in the sports world is thinking about these things, but it just apparently doesn't translate to basketball. I think like, all the money in the AFL. Yeah. yeah. I think what Claire was saying before about how there's not a lot of funding or resources to do these extra mile things for the fans, that, that's a perfect situation where, again, Things are dependent on the fans. Like the fans want to do that, but there's no support from the club or uh, not necessarily from the league, say, but for individual clubs. I mean, like you said, Melbourne to Bendigo is two hours. That's easy. We used to do that with our rep team, hire a minibus, go to the Flames game and come back with our rep yeah. team. Right? We do that now on a Friday night. It's, it's, it's what you do. So how they can't get on board with it is, yeah. It's just okay. one, another one of those things that are so dependent on the fans' loyalty and commitment to the clubs and the league that they're willing to 
themselves go that extra mile to organise it to support a club. And I feel like it's a good opportunity for that to be more of a two-way street between the clubs and the fans. Yeah. Closest thing that I've seen to even something remotely similar was I think Townsville last year was sponsored by that Neurons scooter company and they were offering like a discount for members to get to the game on a scooter from like the Townsville Casino, which were another sponsor. (laughs) So let me ask you something. Do you think that in the absence of the clubs taking an active step forward to doing things like this, is this something that uh, fans or, you know, the league in, you know, in collaboration with the clubs or, or something could help to organise to try and better strengthen, you know, the fan engagement with the league? I think it should be a club thing personally. Mm. I, I agree, but you know, I'm talking about in the absence of the clubs stepping up. Ah, oh, yeah. I just think, like, there has to be a place where fans can interact and say, look, if we can get 50 people to volunteer to jump on a bus, will you organise it for us? And then 50 people drop, like, a $5 PayPal thing as a deposit or something, and then everyone that's put their money down gets a seat on the bus. Like, and then they follow up that with the payment once it's been organised. It can't be that hard. But obviously resources and time and money and proper staffing. I think it just goes into the too hard basket, you know, um, supporting the athlete, getting as many people to the game that we can and, you know, supporting everybody to that game. And and what happens outside of that with lack of resources and obviously lack of money as well just makes all of that just dreams and really great ideas. But sorry, we can't do that idea because we actually don't have the people to do it. Um, yes, we'd love to get everybody up to Bendigo. It's only two hours up the road. You know, convoy could go up. But, again, it's somebody that's got to organise that and it's, you know, somebody from within the club. And, you know, if we've only got membership people that are part-timers that only work two days a week or two half days a week, these things don't get organised just because there's no there's nobody to do them. So that's the disappointing. So somewhere along the line maybe the league then needs to step in and have someone that can do that for each club. Especially if you have an opportunity to tie in a sponsor, as you said, Lily, that is to do with travel. Like what a perfect opportunity to give your league sponsor extra opportunity to advertise by having these, um, you know, kind of fan buses that go to away games and things like that. But I always get the I always get the feeling from that sponsor that it's, you know, organise your club and your function. Like it doesn't ever talk about the actual you know, WNBL club that they're a sponsor for. It's almost like, you know, if your local basketball or your local football or something needs to travel, give us a call. You know, they should actually be proactive in saying, right, boomers, you've got an away game. Who's on board? Hmm. Okay. I want to move away from the game day experience because I think we've kind of gone through that. And, and look, you know, obviously there are, from the fan perspective, there are issues there that need to be looked at. But I, I want to move into the visibility of the sport. And I know this one's going to get kind of heated because the first thing we're going to talk about is is like broadcast and the media. And we may as well get, you know, the elephant in the room out of the way first and let's just throw out for opinions on the broadcast. 
I'm going to start positive. <laughs> I'm just going to say that I'm so grateful that everyone's cries and pleas of desperation on social media were heard. And I'm absolutely loving the increased broadcast brilliance. And I'm loving having replays. But the difference between the KO broadcast and the Nine Now broadcast and the capabilities that both streaming services offer is the most frustrating thing I have ever experienced. Last week, the Caps played on Wednesday. And I was like, finally, the Caps have a Wednesday night game. I can press go back 15, 20 seconds on KO, watch the replay, judge the ref's poor refing ability or good refing ability, and then go back to watching the game. Then I realised that the game was on nine now and not on KO and was heartbroken because the Bendigo game was the um, KO game. It's just so frustrating to have one game on once a week that I can go back in and the other six or five or four games, I don't have the capability to rewind. And then I'm waiting a couple of hours for the game to be uploaded. It's just so, so disheartening. Yeah, I was just going to say if they, you know, if KO makes or ESPN, you know, makes this plan and says, right, Wednesday night games are on our channel. Well, if there's two games, you need to give us two streams because I did the same thing and it was like, oh, now I've got to go to nine now. And it's just, you know, I'm just going to agree with everything that Lily says, but the one thing I find so frustrating is a foul will get called and commentators have no idea who it's on, what happened. Like there was a tech foul the other night. I cannot for the life of me find out why. And there were two shots down the other end. They weren't in the bonus, but then the lights came up. And I'm like, it's just frustrating that no one's at the actual game, that they don't show you a replay or you do get a replay and it's of something completely not with the context that they're talking about. And for me, it's just that's the stuff you want to see a box score. You want to see who's got the fouls. Um, So you've got your laptop going and you've got your app going. And it's, I just feel as though they've taken... It's great that we're getting so many more games on. It's fantastic. But I also think they've also taken a step back because the coverage is terrible. So, yeah, just I find that really disappointing is that now that I'm becoming so engaged in this game that you can't actually watch it the way you want to watch it and be able to go back and look at something or just find out who a foul's on. It's, you know, that's hard because the game's moved on all of a sudden a tech foul's called and that really gets you out of your seat. But you've got no idea who's got it. Uh, was, was that the tech foul on Shannon Seabon? <laughs> no, I think it was on Kayla George. Oh. But it could have been on Shannon. There oh, you go. I have no idea. Life on Wally or something. I remember that that ha- perhaps happened as well and they thought it was something else and all of a sudden they're walking down for free throws. and <laughs> Terrible. And you try and you go, well, I can't go back. There's nothing on, you know, uh, and then, of course, you get onto Twitter and you get lost in the Twitter sphere because everybody's going nuts <laughs> and you forget that you're watching the stream. So. Okay. And then Nick. you can't go back because no, I now won't let you. <laughs> okay, Nick, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on this too. The one that really bothered me earlier this year was we were having internet problems at my house. So anytime we'd have internet problems, it would cut off and then to get back into it, you'd have to watch the ad. To start the stream again and uh, there was one it was i think it was the game that caps played against townsville where jade got injured so i missed 
what had actually happened. And I got back into the stream just in time for the commentators to say, Jade Melvin's injured, she's off the court. And there wasn't anything on Twitter about what had happened. I couldn't go back and see what had happened. I just knew that she was injured, uh, not, you know, ankle injury, knee injury, whatever sort of thing. And it was just kind of frustrating that you couldn't see what had happened. You couldn't find out. It wasn't until, I think it was you that replied to me on Twitter. It was like, oh no, it looked like an ankle injury. And I'm like, okay, it's an ankle injury. It's probably not quite as bad, but it's just one of those frustrating things that you could have done last season that you can't do this year. Okay, so I want to ask this question because part of the problem seems to be around, in terms of the quality, is the fact that the free-to-air isn't actually, you know, what people think of as the real free-to-air channels. You know, you 9, 7, 10, right? It's their multi-channel service. So as a result, it's predominantly streaming and therefore they bring in a smaller audience anyway. But part of the problem here is also there's a cost to the production. So there's limitations that come with the cost of the production. So here's my question to you. Would you, as fans, be happier with the games on KO or would you be happier with them as they are? Speaking as someone that has old Caps games recorded on, like, cassette video (laughs) that used to be on ABC free-to-air, I just... There's a lot to be said for a good quality broadcast and coming back to, like, you pay a membership fee, you expect something. You're a fan, you expect a certain level of quality. And I think the most frustrating thing that continually comes up on Twitter is that there are some NBL1 streams that are more effective than what we're getting on 9 now. And we're talking about money and cost of doing things. How is an NBL1 stream more effective than what we're getting on 9 now? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on that a little bit. And the challenge will be that, yes, in the early stages of the broadcast this year or this season, I, I think it would be fair to say that the visual quality was poor, and I'll just leave it at that. But it has improved. Definitely. Right? And that's why you said, like, starting positive. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think it's improved, you know, especially over the last few rounds, I think it's improved. The thing is, do you find yourself, and I'm pretty sure I know what the answer to this is going to be, but do you find yourself sort of going, being feeling challenged to watch the games on nine now? Either through quality of stream and like Claire mentioned before, not having the box scores, we get that regularly in the NBL one. But also I'm not sure if it's like the commentators get fatigued because they're doing three games in two days and can't read the ref's hand signals as they're doing them. Or if it's like I'm just sick of the same people talking and ugh, I don't know. I just have such strong feelings about that too. We had like Alex Delaney on earlier in the season and her knowing that Loz Mansfield was from Adelaide and was enjoying being back home and having that personal connection to the players, which is what the league is all about for me. I don't, like there's only so many times that I can hear Alicia Frolling has swapped shooting hands and I love Alicia and I love her dearly and that's such an amazing achievement, but just, my mum, fan for 18 years, mutes the commentary. Like, and it's so, like, I multiple people, multiple people I know listen with the commentary down. It's it's hard. It's really not accessible for long-term fans. It's really, I don't know, just swapping the commentators so we're not getting the same people all the time so there's something there for everyone, offering a wider variety of commentators. Like when I heard that Squin was going to be commentating, I'm like, great, someone that knows the game in and out, 
has those connections with the NBL One players, watches all year round. There's just something really meaty about women's sport with the connection that we all have with each other. It just, I find the broadcast really inaccessible for a lot of reasons. I feel as though it's like this Band-Aid and they've given us this service while they try and fix the link between what's really, really good and what we're expecting. And so all of a sudden they've just given us this package and gone, we're just trying to work something out now. Um, so watch this for a little while and we'll see what we can find for you. Because I, I just can't believe how far backwards it's gone from what we had to now. And, you know, I get so frustrated when you see the netball and the coverage and the money and their quality of broadcast and it's everywhere and it's and it's so engaging to watch and it's great to listen because the people that do the commentating know everything about these girls. Jacinta, we need you commentating. We need your insights into all these people. You give me my wealth of knowledge. Like I, I would be lost in the WNBL without you. So I was like, get this girl behind a microphone because, you know, it's just something different, something that... People that know the players, not just Opal players and not just how great Wally is and, you know, Jade Melbourne's going to be a superstar. We hear these same names every single broadcast. We all know it. We all see it. We all watch it. But tell us about the other ones. Tell us about the, you know, good child from the the boomers who's dropping threes from everywhere. Give us a little insight, which I've got to go and search her up because she's new to me. She's one of our players. I need to learn about her. Jacinta does most of it for me when I log on in the mornings, but they they really need to broaden. They need to have someone that's going to tell us about all these other players. It's not just a starting five. It's not just that. So it they yeah, it's not just the broadcasting, but I'm Lily, it's the commentators as well. Get Jacinta on. I'm gonna start it on Twitter. I'm doing it now. <laughs> And just for the record, didn't uh, prompt Claire to give me a boot. No, payment's in the mail. I'm not supposed to say on air, but uh, no, honestly, though, I appreciate the feedback from both of you. Um, With the commentary, I think in relation to the broadcast and the commentary, all the broadcasting now is done remotely does make the commentator's job harder in terms of visibility and being there. Yeah, at the game to see it firsthand makes it a lot easier for the commentator to do their job properly in that sense. So, you know. Jacinta, would you be watching the Nine Now feed and that's what you commentate off? You don't get, as you know, when you do FIBA or something like that, you're not getting any different feed than anybody else. No, yeah. So, yeah, so the times I've done a FIBA game is from my laptop and I'm getting a feed from, you know, Madagascar or wherever the game's happening. So that is essentially like I'm sitting there and yeah. the angle is from the middle of the court. And sometimes they go for an interesting zoom angle, which isn't helpful. That also happens in WNBL. But when we, the, the two, whole two games I did for WNBL, it was in a room in Mascot and I had two TV screens and it was the direct feed from the game. When we received the feed in the studio, it is in real time, so what we're saying is right. But what I've noticed with the broadcasts when I've been watching it now as a fan is the slight delay between the commentary and the action of play, and that really yeah. bugs me. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a disservice to both the game and what the commentators are providing. But the other thing is, I don't, and I, I don't want it to be a reflection on the commentators because they're doing. I feel like they're doing the best with what they've got. 
So the last game was Julia Montesano and Laurie Chiswick, who are, you know, great together, have the love for each other, work really well. But the way that it was, you know, Julia's uh, play-by-play was delayed, you know, it wasn't in sync essentially. And then uh, they were missing a couple of calls. So I don't want what's ha- what they're being provided to be a reflection on them as skills. But I do also agree with Lily in terms of variety of commentators because I, as a commentator, when you do a lot of games in a row, it is very easy to be very copy and paste in yeah. a sense of saying the same phrases or perhaps falling into a pattern or focusing on the same things. And Lily and I have spoken off air about how there is definitely not so much a bias, but there is like a lean towards particular players, like you were saying, Claire, like always and not say not anything against the players that are being met. No, not at all. And your own yeah. players. But to me, that is a reflection, particularly with the play-by-play commentators, that they are there to do a job as a sports commentator and not as a basketball commentator. Yeah. So I've even met people who do play-by-play and it's very obvious they only know, or, or games I've even watched, it's very obvious the play-by-play only knows the Opals. But they're not going to be able to say, you know, be able to be confident to call out the difference between Basham and Batish when Adelaide are playing because they look quite similar. But if you know the league, if you're a basketball commentator versus being a sports commentator, you've got that down pat. I think that makes a massive difference and you can tell sometimes who knows what. And I think when it comes to how we, it's a professional league and we need to present it with that level of professionalism. It needs to go that extra mile of having basketball commentators and putting the money into the broadcast like you compared to uh, netball and stuff before, Claire. And I think a level of that comes back to the club. I'd like to see clubs take responsibility for the player rosters being up to date online. And I'd also like to see potentially a button that you can press that has the player saying their own name. I think it was Jacinta that tweeted about Potch's pronunciation. And we've seen it countless times with Abby Cubillo, Olivia Pupa. It's just a continual thing that comes up, which makes the world of difference in just respect and professionalism, but also for fans that just get frustrated. Yeah, and I found that out because I messaged her on Instagram and said, look, if I'm going to commentate your games, I want to do you the respect of pronouncing your name correctly. Can you, like you know, tell me how to pronounce it. So that's how I knew. And sure, you know, if you're a sports commentator, you know, I'm sure the likes of John Casey, etc., would go to those lengths. But at what point do you need to go to those lengths versus should that not be provided for you? So when we do the FIBA games, we get a voice memo of someone pronouncing the players' names correctly because sometimes it will read one way and it's pronounced completely differently. And sometimes it doesn't help as well because some names are pretty complicated. But um, which is what I experienced, but at least it's the opportunity to get it right or at least a right attempt. Um, I remember there was also a tweet, perhaps more in reference to NBL, but saying how they'd like the commentators to have a bit more uh, understanding or present some more deeper statistics in terms of past, you know, points off the bench, in terms of rebounding percentage per quarter or the plus minus when a particular player is on. That's great, but none of that's made available to us. Like okay. we, we have the feeble live stats like everyone else and even that's got a delay. Uh, there's been lots of games here or NBL1 where I, I would go, oh, I'm pretty sure so-and-so is up to their fourth assist and I'll go to the live stats and go, oh, no, I was wrong, it's three. And then five minutes later, no, I was right, it was four. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one. There's definitely room for improvement in all aspects of the broadcast, but I guess it also goes back to resources and availability too. So, so let me ask something because one of the things that seems to have come across to me just over this last few minutes of conversation is there's been a lot mentioned about the statistics about you know the players and so on. I've got a question. How do you include people who are new to the league? Because, you know, you really want to get into the into the stats and the numbers and so on, and, th- and there are people who really get right into that, no question. But people who are coming in new to the league, and I'm talking about people, here's an example, you know, you've got kids, they've started playing basketball, so it may not be a sport that you were necessarily, as a parent, you were necessarily across. You've started to watch basketball as well. And there's a whole lot going on where you just look at it and go, I have no idea what's happening. Should that be something that the broadcast should address? I was just having a very similar conversation with Squin the other day, actually. Kind of saying that sometimes I struggle to know what like a split line D is. And I even asked Squin that during the like World Cup. Can you explain that to me? Can you explain certain plays and things like that? So many, and Twitter, great place. Like I know that any of the pick and roll team, um, both you and Jacinta would be so understanding if I asked a question. But I do think there is a gap in the commentary where basic things are being left out and then not so interesting things are being repeated multiple times in a broadcast. Uh, your your reaction, Claire, was was pretty telling there. What <laughs> you, uh, it seems like you may have a in, bit of input there. No, I was just thinking that's a great it's a great idea because I'm actually at the point now. Um, so my daughter's under eighteen, so there's a lot of plays, and their playbook is huge. And you hear them talking, and being the team manager, you're in on the you know the tactics and all of that. I've got no idea what they're talking about. And that's this, you know, this split line. I've worked that out now. Um, but, you know, I didn't know about this charge zone and other other sort of things. You know, someone could come up with a fantastic graphic on all of these type of things and run them on the screens, like how how pick and roll works or and the kids then begin to understand it instead of following like MBL and everything's about a slam dunk. Well, not so much. There's some real merit in that is to in educating instead of yeah repeating how great Jade Melbourne is. Now we don't want to we don't want to be taking away from Jade Melbourne here. No, either. we oh my god, she is just <laughs> just watching her at the World Cup and how she was always on the you know the fringe and just part of that team and the way they took her in and it really was just it's a special bunch of women and you know you. You just want your kids to grow up with an ounce of that sort of, I'm going to get there one day and I'm going to be in that circle. And she is in that circle and every bit deserves to be there. She is, yeah, love her. If she comes to Melbourne, love her even more. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to build off what you were saying about educating. I remember during the WNBA season, it drove me insane, but there was a continual repeat of Skylar Diggins-Smith with I think it was Chris Paul or someone from the Phoenix Suns demonstrating a moving screen with a chair. And I just thought, okay, I've seen that 50 billion times, but that's exactly the type of thing that they could be running at quarter time or half time instead of the horrible music that we're forced to put up with. Yeah. And they should get the players to do it. Didn't they have something at the start of the World Cup where the players were doing, 
I vaguely remember something, but if they have your your starting fives or even your development players, anybody, I just think educating so we understand it more, so we don't get as frustrated with the reps and the telecast because we're actually able to watch it and go, okay, no, I see what they were doing there. Even if the stats don't come up or the commentators haven't caught up, you've at least got some idea as to what's going on. And the um, content is a really good thing. And the content is there. Like Caps in the off-season had skill videos uploaded to their Instagram and kids that went and posted and uploaded them repeating the skills went into the competition to win like a ball or a shirt or something so just even asking the clubs reaching out do you have any content that we can use for half time and Tess at the moment Tess Manjin on the half time spruiking she hoops and talking about the clubs and camps and things like that so important and it like it's all there and ready to be used it's frustrating that it's not Okay, Nick, I want to get your opinion on that about the more entry-level type explanations. I'm going to say this, and it's immediately going to be something that we can't do because of resources, but something that the NRL does really well on some of their broadcasts is when they do the pregame, they have the retired players going through, breaking down a play and seeing this is why this player does this. This happens here, this happens here, and then this can happen here because of that. Sure, it would be very hard to do because of resources. But if you had someone in the com box with a screen at half time, which I mean, we're not all, they're not all even in the same place at half time. But if you had a screen that you could go, okay, this is what Jade Melbourne's seeing here. This defender's coming this way. This defender's sagging off here, and this person's in the corner. This is how this play happens. You know, people could look at that and go, okay, I see how that works, but. It's immediately something that we can't do because we don't have the resources to have those sort of streams that they have in the NRL. But it would be great if we could have it, but we just can't do it right now. Yeah. I think that would be awesome, actually, Nick, because I know that sometimes Peter Hawley does it for the NBL, him being, you know, a former elite player. And through my own experience recently through another platform, uh, I really like that you've all three of you have said how you'd still want some insight, like the balance between the really nerdy stuff that we know and love in terms of stats, but also the rules of pick and roll, how to read a pick and rolls, the importance of split line D. So it sounds like generally it would be beneficial to have a balance, but without being too repetitive of just the stuff you can look up on Wikipedia about, you know, so-and-so growing up in Lizzie Tonks live from Coffs Harbour, that kind of stuff. But it's still a good point, Nick, and understandably there probably isn't resources to do it at the moment with the live broadcast, but perhaps there could be an opportunity where we go through particular, you know, really important or highlight plays from the week and that can be broken down and put up on social media, for example, you know, putting your idea and, and Lily's example of what the Caps used to do with skills. So kind of be like, oh, this play of when, you know, Shyla and Keely Froling were in this high pick and roll and then the two defenders guarded Keely, which meant Shyla was open for the three, like that kind of stuff. Mm. Just giving yeah. WNBL free ideas here, aren't we? <laughs> it's even like as easy as like everyone tweets such great things and things that I don't notice. And I remember during the hub season they were putting tweets on the broadcast, small things like that that offer an insight and engage fans in a totally different way. And sometimes if you see a tweet on there, like Q, like on Q&A, hashtag Quanda, um, people <laughs> like, are more likely to kind of, I guess, participate. 
as well. And in a positive way. Like if I knew the WNBL were reading my tweets, I wouldn't post half the stuff I post. <laughs> I know. I learned that the hard way, but I'll give you that story off, off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I know the story. You know the story so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is just the first part of this podcast where loyal fans of our WNBL teams share their hopes and wishes for the sport they love and support. Be sure to listen to the second instalment coming soon. Here's just a small sample of what's in part two dropping next week. So, okay, I want to ask something else. And that is, in terms of news coverage of the WNBL, it has improved. And it's been a bit up and down. I would like to think that a lot of the coverage that's out there is more than just trying to give lip service to the league. But I'd like to get your opinions on what you see and what you think of the quality of what you're seeing. Pretty similar to the commentary. I'm kind of sick of seeing articles about the same players repeated. Give me a little more depth about how the team is going um, if you're going to rag on Veely, mention that she's like hand-raised, ball-ace, potch and all the other COE girls that are absolutely killing it. Offer me something different other than Caps are losing, all their players are injured. Offer me stuff about Mila Goodchild. Offer me stuff about Chloe Bibby and all the kids that are coming back from the college system and are killing it. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.